<laughs> oh, oh my god. Uh, hey everyone, your host Eric Brown of Neo Reality Entertainment and are you the Wrestleverse? Got a new setup for the overlays and all that. Made this at the drop of a hat today after. Oh my god. Hell of a show. Bravo. Good job, Tony. We're proud of you. But we're not talking about the main event. Not yet. The main event surprisingly was the Anarchy in the Arena match. I would have had the four pillars go at it just to showcase how great they are by showing that they can overthrow the elite as match of the night. But that's just me. Uh. So, for so long we've been waiting for this match, uh, and, and I said this one little time, to see these four, the four pillars of AEW, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Le Sex God, the Spanish God, the Daredevil, the Privileged One, and the Jungle Boy. All competing. They've had their matches against each other back to back to back to back. They fought each other. Um, I want to say that was secretly planned because when you think about it, it's been four years, four matches, four, four years, four matches, all leading to a four pillars match off between the, with the four pillars. I think they may have done that by accident, really. I, I think that was just a massive accident just made happen. Either way, it, it's beneficial to them. Um, yeah, this has been the match I have been wanting to see for some time now when NGF won the gold. Like, we've seen his matches with all of them in the past. We saw Darby and Sammy. Jack, Jack Perry and the others, the four pillars all having their singles and tag matches together. And we had a tag match where Darby and Jungle Boy got added. And it was all gonna lead to this. Four pillar four way for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And by God, look at this belt. Okay, and this has been the match uh, that I've been hyped up for since the beginning. Since the beginning, this whole four pillar stuff started. I have been wanting to see these four go at it. I know they have, like, out of everyone in this match, MJF, Darby were the most convincing of who could walk out as the champion. Jungle Boy, he's getting there, but he's not ready to be the world champ. Not yet, at least, in my opinion. Sammy Guevara, this is his first official time ever competing for the world title. Shock, I, I was actually shocked when I realized that. Yeah, saying a lot. Um, but to see these four, here's the thing. They're all in their mid to late 20s. I have said this for some time. Imagine where these guys are gonna be 10 years from now. Being in AEW, being in WWE, being in New Japan, doesn't matter. 10 years from now, we get this match again when they're very seasoned and peppered 
peppered and seasoned and experienced with them. Like MJF's already great enough, but imagine how he'll be when he gets to his prime years. More so. Darby Allen? Don't kill yourself doing the Everest climb next year. Like he's already planning to write, he's already drafting his will in the event uh, something happens to him at Mount Everest. And Sammy Guevara is Sammy Guevara because he's the guy that would go ahead and say, okay, here's an idea, Tony. I want to be thrown off a helicopter 200 feet in the air. No. Two years later, he, two years later, he asks for it again and Tony's like, we can't afford that kind of insurance, you idiots. And if you ask Santa Guevara and Darby Allen, then that's just a recipe for anarchy, more so. Adam, and they were, and last year, double or nothing, at last year's double or nothing, I'm just going to say it, out of, besides Jack Perry, everyone else was in a downward spiral. MGF was trying to walk out or bullshit like that. Uh, got beat, got squashed by Wardlow, so we don't know how that ended. Uh, he's now the world champion. Darby I lost to Kyle Riley. Sammy Guevara was in a hopelessly annoying storyline. And Jungle Boy Jack Perry was feeding, was pretty much the only one consistently doing good stuff. So, yeah, out of all four of them, Jungle Boy's the most innocent. But uh, I liked how MGF acknowledged the other three as his equals, so to speak, in the terms of the four pillars. Uh, even though Punk has dismissed MGF as one of the pillars, he has acknowledged Britt Baker as the supreme pillar. Though, I feel like we need to get second to three more layers of pillars for who are future talents for AEW's future. These are the first four, the day ones. Well, MGF could say he's day zero because he was at all in the original. So, yeah, I, I was finally ready to see this match when I finally got a chance to watch the Rebar Mitzvah, seeing these four stake their claim at the top. It has been a desire I wanted to see, and I am so glad we were getting it for Double or Nothing. It was a little, the buildup was not as the greatest build in the world. Yeah, there were better. But I looked at it as more or less of a match of storytelling and more of a match for get ready for this. Like they had some good moments and some good solid, some solid matches. But um, yeah, the four pillar tag match was especially great. But to see these four who are so young and have so much looking forward to the future with these guys, It was everything we needed it to be. It needed to be more, more less of a story-driven, pop, uh, character-driven storytelling matchup, and more about a these four are the future. They are our four horsemen. They are our answer to the four horsewomen. They are our answer to all the four top pillars that other companies have built around the SmackDown. We had the SmackDown Six. We had the Raw Elites. That or the Reign of Terror, so to speak. We had the SmackDown 7, so to speak, for during the 2016 draft. Uh, we and now we have AEW's The Four Pillars and NXT's The Four Horsewomen. I will say it again. Imagine where they're going to be 10 years from now. 
Unless the world explodes, but that's a different subject altogether. I'm not a political channel. No matter how many times I've been tempted. But, yeah. This is an investment match. This is to showcase everyone first and foremost. This is the investment we're making. These are the four talents. We got four years in them. Let's get them to see where they go. Then we'll try again. Hope And while they'll probably do more matches against each other down the road, give us six more years. We'll see you all. We'll see you all in uh, 2029 or 2030. Oh, God. Like, just look at these four. Now, Jungle Boy, out of all the four here, Jungle Boy is the least refined in people's eyes. Mostly through promo's sake. He's actually acknowledged this, so props to him. Props to him for acknowledging, yeah, I have my flaws and all that. Props to him. I, I'll give him credit. Like, he could just be, he could just say, hey, you know, this bitch investment in me. Look at me. I'm swag. And, and arrogant or be reactively, negatively, in the worst way possible as Sammy Guevara. Or be Daredevil Darby Allen, who's trying his damnedest to be the next McFoley before actually becoming McFoley. I shudder to know what would have been like if McFoley fought him, and I'm pretty sure they would have set the ring on fire just to just to say just to say that this was part of the plan. And MJF is going to be MJF. Like if he didn't have that big walk out of a big big uh, convention event for the sign off. And uh, that whole contract crisis we were dealing with, where he was ranting and raging over, I want to raise, I want to raise. Okay, okay, MGF, you do, you clearly deserve. Like this is the thing. This I've been meaning to say about this since last year. MGF was deserving of a raise. It was reported that MGF wanted a raise, and Tony Khan agreed. We'll set up a meeting, drop a new contract. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? MGF didn't want a damn extension, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and people came at me with that opinion on Twitter, saying, oh, well, Vince did that for Stone Cold in the 90s. Okay, uh, the context is extremely different. One is a promotion that's trying to be an alternative. The other was dealing with another promotion that was hell-bent on burning them to the ground. Of course Vince was going to give in to what some worker demands because Vince needed all the allies he needed when WCW was destroying them. And was and when Bischoff was admitting, I will destroy you. I will bankrupt you, essentially. So yes, I was annoyed with, with how MJF did. So really, Jungle Boy Jack Perry is the most innocent of the three. And yet, some refer to him as Jungle Man. He has the girl. Yeah. And besides MJF being the champion, Darby Allen has had the most child challenges when you think about it. He's fought Chris Jericho. He fought Jim Moxley. Jungle Boy fought Kenny Omega. Uh, let's see. Sammy Guevara has never fought for the title up until this point. So, yeah. Props to all of them for building to this moment. And I love how, and, and I loved him even more when they referenced all the continuity history with these four, especially their past when it comes to the big gold belt. Damn it. But. The match itself. 
Like, I know people complained about the build-up, but then the match happened, and it was like, well, I should be like you, we proved, they proved us wrong, the match was going to be freaking excellent, and honestly, as much as I did love the main event that closed out the show, I really would have preferred this to be the main event, just to add that extra chip on their shoulder to say, top that, top the Anarchy in the Arena match. And I felt like they would have. I really think they're at that point where they could have stolen the show from the Elite and the Blackpool Combat Club and all the twists and turns they did and the wild music playing. And Jungle Boy, however, faces the character confliction. I mentioned how Jungle Boy is the, quote, purest of them all. They've acknowledged that. So... I've been saying that for like what the last year that Jungle Boy was pure, was the purest of the three, and I'm be, and I'm just gonna be that guy that says thirty forty thousand dollars, please, Tony. I know you've been watching my Twitter channel, my Twitter, my Twitter account, and YouTube channel. You son of a bitch! I demand my royalties. Or you can get uh, uh, Mikey Ruckus to make me music. Ah, uh, hopefully. <laughs> I kid, I kid. But, <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the build up to an extent. I'll admit that. When these four went at it, I knew that they were going to steal it. I knew they were going to tear, tear the house down. And sure enough, they did. MJF was great. But <laughs> to see these four, see where they're at now to see how damn good they can go and they're not even any any of them are not even in their 30s yet and, and to see the ability they showcase the selling the match quality the performance the unpredictable nature like we all knew ngf was gonna win but they were show trying to their damnedest to prove that they could still they could probably dethrone mjf this night but <laughs> The, out of all of them, I believe Darby Allen had the most chances. Jungle Boy wasn't going to go down the dark path. He wanted to win it the right way. Darby Allen's willing to go down the dark path. Sammy Guevara is Sammy Guevara. And Sting didn't get involved in this, so props to that. Uh, I'll, get, I'll, give, I'll give Sting his props. He didn't get involved in this match, and we didn't get any outside interferences, no hot shot booking with uh, Crash TV style interferences. We didn't get like Christian and, and Luchasaurus involved. They, they've established that's over and done with for, with Jack Perry. We're moving on from that feud. Uh, Sammy Guerrero didn't get JAS to help. And uh, that was after, this match was after the Jericho got black eye. And MGF didn't, and MGF did his cheats, but he didn't get any outside pull, pullback cash help. And, oh. Almost forgot. Congratulations to Sammy Guevara and Ty and Tay Mello, uh, formerly known as Ty Conti. They're having a baby! Yay! Sadly, that means we will not be seeing Ty Conti for nine months. And probably longer if she's gonna do the parental leave. Which means my dreams of seeing her main event a show and win the world win the women's title via TBS by Chris Statlander or the woman or the world women's title by Tony Storm. Has been dashed. 
bitch, Sammy. Anyways, so Sammy's a lucky guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I actually liked how they went, how creative they went with the ending. Like, like Jungle Boy being the honorable one would not use the belt like Sami Zayn did back in NXT when he was tempted to use it on Adrian Neville. My God, I'm old. Early next year will be a total of 10 years since those days. Anyways, <laughs> I'm not having an existential crisis or anything. If I was, I'd be going crazy. But instead of like doing the trademark finish with the dynamite ring or you know doing another finish where which required uh which required uh mjf to like do the video game ending where he just goes ahead and like throw after darby gets the coffin drop in he just goes ahead and throws him out of the ring and, and pins jungle boy no, no 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 he decides to get the belt that jungle boy threw down that wouldn't resort to it put it on jungle boy's chest when darby was in mid-air crash into the belt and MGF took advantage of that and did a size size. I'm pretty sure I, I, I'm going to get this move wrong. Side sweep pinfall and, and got the victory. Following up on the uh, interaction between MGF and Darby Allen from 2020, 2021, I believe. I just need to get my dates correct because time is moving so fast these days. But yeah, and and I like that moment where they all go into submissions and all that, and they're locked in a submission four-way lock. Like everything happens in fours, damn it. And MGF, being the dirty son of a bitch scoundrel, tries to goad Sami Zayn into not Sami Zayn, damn it, so many Sammies. Uh, Sammy Guerrero into laying down for him because, well, your wife's pregnant and your kids need the money and you gotta do the right thing, damn it. And sure enough, Sammy tricks him and almost gets the victory. Not bad for a first time ever world title match challenge for Sammy, I'll, I'll give him that. He's been winning the people over, I feel like, regaining the fans' trust since those dark days. Tribalists are still good tribalists, so uh, there's no stop and there's no reason with them. They can't be reasoned with. But it was so great. This match was just so great. Honestly, I could say this is uh, one of the probably top 10 matches of this year, in my opinion. We'll figure it out at the end. I'll probably talk about my top 10 matches heading that I've seen for this year on my NRD WrestleVerse podcast. So check that out when that day comes, hopefully, unless something kind of expected happens. Let's hope not. But this is kind of up there with the top 10. Oh, the other thing I want to mention, this is, the, this is, this is once again, the continuation of my belief that this is a massive continuity callback, continuity porn. <laughs> Oh god. Where all four of them 
the four pillars all did their mentors finisher moves like MGF with the crossroads and I love how commentary just casually talking about Cody Rhodes like it was yesterday since you know that other place would have gone ahead and been like hey, we can't really mention his name if we can't mention this guy's name we'll be in trouble uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry doing the kill switch despite everything that Christian did to him and his family and, and him turning his best friend into well a monster J Jungle Boy did learn from Chris Christian and that says a lot Darby Allen doing the Scorpion death drop in, as and Scorpion submission and Sam Guevara learning from his mentor Chris Jericho the Anatola rock and roller baby I just love to sh this. This this is like I, I know this is gonna be a little tacked on. This is like how watching this, watching your your favorite characters from DC Comics who were sidekicks like Nightwing, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, Aqualad, like they're all doing their mentors' moves and their and their former men their predecessors' moves because they're the the legacy, the successors of those people. That, that's the vibe I kind of got, like, where they do similar stuff that their mentors used to do a lot. And even they point out, like, oh, you, you, you took that move from me. As if to showcase how much they've grown as people and as, rest, uh, and as heroes. J these four did the same thing for me last night. They showed that they've grown from their mentors. Jangle Boy from Christian, Angie F from Cody, Darby from Sting, Sammy from Chris Jericho. I bet they're in the back right now looking at each other and, be, and Cody Rhodes is watching at home. Well, he's in Saudi currently, so <laughs> hoping for the best. I'm pretty sure they were all watching this and they were like, that's our boys. That's our boys. Holy crap, I just now realized they missed out of a chance for a four-way four tag team match. MGF with Cody, Jack with Christian, Darby with Sting, Sammy with Jericho. Oh my god, that would have been awesome. Oh, oh god, oh god. Cody, I don't care if you're in WWE, go back to AEW just to do that. Just, I don't know who you have to piss off to get there, but just do it, for God's sakes. Let, let's do that. Oh god, that would have been perfect. But, uh, yeah. MGF, our devil friend, our devilish friend, still has his grip over the AEW World Title. The devil continues to reign supreme at the holy grail of professional wrestling. And who is going to stop him? Is it a Second City Saint? Is it a straight-edge superstar? Is it? The, is it the one wing angel? The devil sky? Is it a cowboy? Or is it a mad king? So look, I've given up on the idea that A. Kingston's going to win this year for the title, world title. Uh, I would have wanted that. But uh, if he wins, it still, like, still counts as a victory this year if he does. But I'm hoping he challenges MGF for the title eventually. And wins it just be a modern retelling a, a modern reinterpretation telling of of dusty rose versus ted dibiase kind of vibe 
the 1% all-powerful elite privileged madman taking on the common man, working hard with his hands. <laughs> so now, while that's a far away future, where do we go from here in the immediate future? Well, MJF, it, it, I don't know if he's going to wrestle at Forbidden Door, like he should, but in my opinion, he, he should broaden his horizons a little bit with the Land of the Rising Sun with Forbidden Door. Um, there are a ton of wrestlers from New Japan he could take on currently. In my opinion, I said this on ACW, I would kind of be interested in the idea of MJF fighting Okada. Yes, I am insane, I know. And then when we get to All In, MJF could fight Punk. And then at All Out, because MJF needs to remind everyone why he hates his life in AEW, in character, uh, he could then take on Kenny Omega. Yeah, I think I might just book this a, a way to work this around. Anyways, we'll see where that goes. This is just my hopeful predictions. Uh, where does Darby Allen, Jack Perry, and Sammy go? Well, Sammy's got to get ready for a kid in a few months, in nearly at the end of this year. Uh, Jack Perry, no idea where he's going to go. Probably go back to mid-card and work on his promo skills more of the mid-card division. Darby Allen, I'm pretty sure he's going to be also part of the upper mid-card. Maybe do a couple main event matches here and there. Uh, as for storyline as for storyline possibilities, I don't know for what goes on for the next for the next several months. We'll see, especially with AEW Collision coming around. And I'm cer certain the Punk is going to go ahead and retry to retake his throne from NJF, his his successor, so to speak. I'm kind of amazed he hasn't done the GTS either on, on, on either of the four pillars tonight. That or, you know, call out CM Punk a little bit. I, I kind of would want to see that since he did defeat Ryan with his finisher, the LaBelle Lock. I am so glad I'm there's an alternative in wrestling. I, I'm having so much fun watching AEW. Like, granted, I, I hope they go on max, but I'm content right now continuing to pay 50 bucks for an, for uh, every few months pay-per-view event. Sure, it's going to get a little pricey heading into July for late June to early August, especially, but it's going to be a wild ride. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Collision. I'm looking forward to what MGF does next. I'm looking forward to what Jack Perry, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara do next. I'm looking forward to the future of these four. I've been, I have a strong investment with them per, per se in a wrestling fan sense. And I, and I still say it. Watch what's going to happen. What, what, you've seen them now. Imagine where they'll be like 10 years from now. Like I said, if they're in AEW, they're in AEW. If they're in New Japan, they're in New Japan. If they're in WWE, they're in, they're in WWE. But, like, they, they have to run this back eventually just to showcase how much they've grown. Give it another couple of years. But that's about all the time I have for you tonight. Uh, I'll be going to bed soon. This was your host, Eric Brown, host of NRE The Wrestleverse, NRE Wrestleverse Podcast, NRE Neo Reality Collective, and the owner of Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE. This was your host, uh, tired. 
Uh, feel free to like, comment, subscribe, check out my stuff in the description below, see you for more. And if you look up here, you'll see uh, PayPal and Cash App. Um, I, I just wanted to put those up there in case anyone wanted to be courteous and you know give me donate some money, just spare a few change. I'm all for it. I'm not really demanding anything. I just look. It's a side hobby. This is a hobby for me. If I can make this a supplemental income, that'd be awesome. But that's an optional thing. I'm not. I'm not intending to make YouTube a full-on job, especially nowadays. Peace out. See you all again next time. I'm talking about Anarchy in the Arena next after this. Oh, God. See you all again. Peace. Take care and have a good day. And take care of your loved ones, everyone. Long live the motherfucking devil of AEW. finding it odd timing at best if it's if this was intentional that's a different matter but at, at best this is just cosmic coincidence and odd timing 
But yeah, awesome interview. And like I said on the ATW, I don't think Don Callis is gonna get involved. And I was completely wrong on that, so I'll take the L on that, everybody on ATW. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Elite took on Blackpool Comic Club and they even brought the band in who plays Wild Things. And they decide to make the Wild Things theme song the official theme song for Anarchy in the Arena. And they kept playing it when the Elite went to battle the Blackpool Comic Club as they were coming out of the entrance out of the of the crowd. And long and behold, pandemonium ensued. Music playing in the background. Super kick galore. Super kick party. At this point, I was like, okay, can we get that? Can we get the? Uh, can we get like a band? Like the only way they could talk what happened last year, besides getting the band of the Wild Things, since they did do that, would have been like they went ahead and the elite hired a band to play the being the elite theme song, and then the bands are playing back and forth trying to compete who's the better band. And then it leads to them brawling, and it's just pure pandemonium even more with like eight, like 12 different guys fighting for supremacy, one over best music playing during a match, and the other over brand company supremacy. Uh, yeah, and Hangman decides to take off his eye patch and reveal that his eye is fully healed and he's going to spike Brian's skull in. Um, I actually had a mixed response to that. I was like, cool, I saw that coming. It would have been more a more symbology if it was if he did that to John Moxley, like when he's taking the iPad off off and the commentators point out the obvious irony in that by bringing up John Moxley did the same thing when he got spiked in the eye by Chris Jericho all those years ago. Great irony must be respected. And yeah, Claudio Casanelli uh, was vicious in this match. Will Uter probably his probably he, he probably I, I think Will Uter had a lot of fun, especially since how it ended for him on that night. But this is the match you expected to see happen until they do blood and guts, so in which case they all have to break loose with the blood scenes. Oh, and Lake Jackson decided to be crazy and was like, okay, we need something to top the anarchy in the arena match last year. Okay, so uh we have the band, we're going to super kick them, uh, the lead singer, uh, oh, I got it, um, A. Kingston had gasoline, right? Yes, A. Kingston got gasoline, okay. What if I lace my, my multi-thousand dollar expensive Jordans with laced explosives, and I kick it in John Moxley's head? If this was the, if this was any other promotion besides deathmatch promotions, they would have been like, "Make you high." But this is AEW, and they are on some serious drugs of, of, of euphoria. So they were like, "Do it!" And sure enough, they kicked John Moxley square in the head, and it exploded. And somehow John Moxley got up from that because, just like comic books. Long-term damage doesn't really mean anything in the grand spectrum of things. Oh, by the way, John Moxley still hasn't taken his vacation yet with his wife, so... I, I want to say that this is probably still building. I'm pretty sure the for case, like... Moxley, we got to go on vacation. We can't keep delaying this. It's almost been a year now. In a few months, it will be a full year. And I need my vacation. So do you especially. And our kids. Or kid. 
and plus we, we're running low. We can't keep ch replacing the couch. It's too covered in your blood. We can't keep replacing the couch, man. So, yeah, they just have to bring that up. Surprisingly, Brian didn't bleed. In fact, I was surprised Brian didn't unleash the holy dragon in him. And go ballistic insane, seeing all the chaos and blood, blood lust going on. Uh, yeah, but um, it was during this match, uh, the elite got back into their synchronization and their wrestling style was awesome. Uh, see the do their move sets in synchronization was awesome. Remind me of the olden days. And Claudio Castanelli wrote throwing Nick around in his signature spin and then crashing him into a bunch of uh, into a garbage can. That was hilarious. I knew that was coming. Oh, and then Claudio just pile drives Nick into a car, into the hood of a car. And you would think a normal man would be out cold for like the rest of the night. But Nick just got back up and kicked John Moxie in the head with an explosive while John Moxie got back up from that and continued fighting like that. Like what he just went through just didn't happen. <sighs> Mick Foley's probably looking at these guys and it's like, only if I was a Yeah, I, I was uh, yeah, and I'm surprised we didn't get an Eddie Kingston-esque moment with uh, the gasoline. You would think Don Callis would probably think of that idea, but uh, yeah, during the match, Don Callis was on commentary throughout most of the match, and sure enough, he comes in, gives, tries to screw the elite over, specifically Kenny Omega, gets the gets the screwdriver, tries to have. Really, you just pierce it into King's skull. Failed those with like Oh, and there was barbed wire. The the uh, double or nothing poker chip was covered in barbed wire because, of course, John Moxley had that planned. Uh, you, you just kind of just, just accept that at this point that everyone in Blackpool Connor Club is crazy and that the elite are crazy and this is possibly their best feud going right now. And the fact that we're left with these confusing conundrums makes it even more exciting to think about, but I'll get to that. But Don Cow gets involved, Ken Omega finally declares his chance for revenge. He should have his vengeance upon Callus and what the trail has done to him. Only for a hooded black man to go ahead, a rogue black man strikes from the shadows. He takes off his black clothing to reveal Kenosuke Takeshka. He has joined and aligned with Don Callis. And Willa Yuta gets the pinfall victory for the for Blackpool Combat Club. And Kenny Omega is the fall guy. And I was like, well, Yuta's career is pretty sad. He just pinned, he just beat, he just pinned Kenny Omega. Kenny bad God Corruption Omega. Best balance. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Willa Yuta, you can retire tomorrow and we will be all good with that. So I say you did well for your career, young man. They, you have learned well to the back to comic book. And then Don Callis, not being done, decides to strangle Kenny Omega. I'm pretty sure, I, I kind of wish they kind of made an inside joke about that with Brian looking at this and being like, 
look at turning to turning to Kanoshka and he would be like and someone on the internet would hear read his lips and he would be like, you know, I used to do something like this before, but I got fired for that. Like imagine if, if Brian did that. Imagine if Brian said that and considering who would be an answer, it would make it even more fun here. But uh, yeah, that didn't happen. But uh, yeah. But I am left with some questions out. There are some questions I have. Uh, the dynamite we had, Don Callis explained the Chernosuke Takeska apparently, and he was now fighting his uh, next big crusade against Kenny Omega. Uh, let's see. According to reviews, Don Callis gave a promo, awesome promo from what everyone was saying. I even saw the clip of it where he was being booed out of the building to the point that it was rivaling that of. I'm gonna be honest in saying this. It was rivaling that of uh, Elias and Kevin Owens when they talked about the basketball team stuff. Having a professional team in, in uh, their location, they got booed for over 10 minutes. I should be like you, Mel. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, Don Callis said in this promo that, that, uh, he tired out for crazy Kenosuke Takeshka and that he would and that and he and apparently he has no relationship with the Blackpool Combat Club. So this is one of those things I said a while back where it was like, hey imagine if you brought CM Punk and FTR back, FTR teamed up to take on the Elite and finally get that match over with. And you basically would have Don Callis in his group, Blackpool Combat Club, and and CMFTR all gunning for the elite, which basically would be like the elite just really dug themselves in a hole now, because now you have two factions. One of them is like a man who knows you inside and out. So yeah. And now Don Callis has just declared that he is going to form his new family, a new family to cut the elite from all elite wrestling. So he's clearly, so he's more than likely not going to leave Blackpool Bot Combat Club. Still rooting for Nigel McGuinness, though I hope that's after all in and Nigel McGuinness comes back to fight Brian Danielson. And then after that, we can do a storyline of Nigel McGuinness as the leading voice for Blackpool Combat Club and the wake of Ray and leaving. So uh, please do that. If you do that, give me $50,000, take TK. I just know that case. <laughs> I'm not giving you up that game. If you see this video, I'm not over that. So, yeah. Kenny Omega, the Elite have lost their union match against Blackpool Combat Club in a Hellacious Anarchy in the Arena match. We got explosives. Yeah, that's just something we accept, right? Claudio Casinoli doing great. John Marshall doing great. Brian Nelson being great, though he did not have a Tony moment like everyone feared he would, and starred the minds of people everywhere. Veterans of wrestling fandom. And Will Unit got to pin the best bout machine in a hellacious matchup. So overall I say everyone I say this I see this as an absolute win. And the Young Bucks, Nick Jackson, ruined the thousand dollar worth of, of shoes with explosives. Oh, I forgot to mention this. Uh also uh and I saw James Heber Heber or uh, uh, James of, of FTW Productions 
he went ahead and but I saw him on the Japanese Network, Ryan's reacting to this, and I was curious to know what his reaction was going to be since I was a little bit ahead of of uh, uh, of the FT, of the of the Jeff Media Network's live stream on the show. But there was this moment where Nick Jackson got his foot, barefoot, ripped out, barefoot, got pierced with God knows how many thumbtacks. And James cringed to unbelievable imaginable pain. So that had happened. And then they made him eat thumbtacks and kicked him in the face. And then European uppercut him. And despite all that bloodlust, glass, explosions, barbed wire, screwdrivers, Kenosuke Takeska's betrayal of the elites. I thought, well, we should have seen that coming when he said that that the multi-layer, multi-promotional, multi-year saga of the elite is le- is not as better as the bloodline. I would just say I saw this coming mostly because of that comment saying bloodline better, and I'm like, I'm about to bully you. And whatnot. <laughs> But according to PW Insider, despite uh, the insane stuff, there were some cuts, bruises, and bums, but um, no one was seriously injured in the match. You're telling me after all that, no one suffered any significant injuries? You're kidding, right? Like, all that stuff we saw, and no one was significantly injured, whereas last year, Brian Danson got a concussion and was out for two months. And that involved gasoline and a potential fire hazard by, by Katie Kingston's insanity. And, Nick, and Matt Jackson had a torn arm messed up on at the time until he got cleared you're telling me that no one suffered any injuries okay then that, that means my question my theory about everyone secretly getting a surgeon doctor who secretly converts their bones into rubber sounds more accurate oh yeah also I was kind of also expecting oh god what if Will Ospreay and the United Empire get involved in this that, that, that would mean King Omega, the Young Bucks, and the Hangman would have Blackpool Combat Club on their ass, Don Callis' Don Family on their ass, CMFTR on their ass, like and the United Empire on their ass. That'd be four different ultimate factions gunning to rip out the elite heart and throw them out of all elite wrestling. If, if they did that kind of angle, if Punk and the elite ever, ever fix their issues and, you know, get the apologies rolling after legal stuff is all handled and all that dream stuff, even though Punk is willing to, even though it was before Punk wanted to work it out, but like, uh, you know, politicking and legal talk and documents and all that, I don't know. But that would be basically four major factions going after the Elite. That'd be kind of awesome to see how the Elite overcome those kind of odds. Even Cena can't claim that. Even Cena would be able to claim, I've fought many people in my days, but I never fought four, four massive factions at once. He got an ass kicked mostly by just one. So, yeah. 
This was your host, Eric Brown of Ari the Wrestleverse, the running of Neo Reality Entertainment, the off-brand shoot of it. This was my thoughts on the Elite vs. Viper Combat Club and Anarchy in the Arena 2. Great, great match, great main event, great main event. I still would, I still say the uh, four pillars should have ended the show, in my opinion, not, not just because of the four pillars having more chip on their shoulder to top that match, but also because they have the freaking world title. And I have that old school mentality of, well, the world title should go last unless you have a very special occasion. Well, you could make this argument for this kind of match. I still feel like the four bills could have easily stole the show, even with that, even with this, even with this match, if it was beforehand. But I am not the creative department of AEW, I'm not to the con, so what he goes with, goes with, at least he can handle the fucking system that better than he did last time, than he did with Revolution 25 and all the matches were great, uh, the fucking, the, uh, order of match order was questionable. But yeah, great man of all around. And I was insane. This was your host at Around the Neo Reality Entertainment and the rest of the verse. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, share my content in the description below. See y'all again next time. And see y'all, and I'll see y'all soon. And Eric signing out. Peace. Bye. Welcome back, everyone, to NRE, the WrestleBurbs. I'm your host, Eric Brown, baby, and we are talking about Adam Cole, baby, versus just Jericho, baby, in a unsanctioned match because they couldn't call it a lights out match for whatever reason. So, with the returning Sabu, yeah, uh, this was actually shocking. There were no reports, no, no rumors, no statements coming out that Sabu was going to show up. For, for this storyline. He showed up on the Dynamite before before the event and shocked everybody and, and they brought up how and Tony Khan actually was the one who made the choice to bring Sabu in, mostly for personal reasons. Mostly because the one time he was at ECW show, his first ECW show, it was Chris Jericho and Sabu, showcasing that he is in fact a giant kid who's a massive wrestling nerd fan, who is sadly also a billionaire and therefore is living out the power fantasy that we, can, that we as grown adults will never get to have because the economic system in America sucks. I'm cold, baby. Shirt, just to keep this, just to keep myself engaged and pressed. So, let's get right into this. So, here's what I'm just gonna say. I, I'm just gonna say this. It might be a little bit of a hot take, spicy. Um, this should not have been the match. Oh, I'm not saying like the match is bad or sucks or anything. It's just when you think about it for more than five minutes. You start to think, especially after what happened on Dynamite after Double or Nothing, you start to think, you know, wouldn't it have made more sense to have this be the Dynamite match and the Dynamite match they did do with Chris Jericho and Soraya versus Aaron Cole Bebe and, and Britt Baker be the match for Double or Nothing considering the storyline did connect with the, with the outcasts and the Jericho Appreciation Society? I'm just, I'm just saying, like, wouldn't this make more sense and whatnot? Now, like, I, if I was the booker, I would I would have pitched that. If I was part of the creative team, I would have pitched that uh, 
So that's just my two cents on that. But uh, yeah, Adam Cole, this is like what his second unsanctioned match, and yet uh, it's just it's it's okay. See, like Adam Cole is destined to not have the great unsanctioned match in AEW. Like at best, they're good, but like when I think of the unsanctioned lights out match rulings, it's like. I want them to be super violent, uber violence, destruction, just showcase the violent, vindictive nature of this event. Surprisingly, there was no blood in this match, so they were like, I was thinking like, oh, they'll probably make it up with the hardcore elements. Like, Sabu's gonna do some insane stuff and <laughs> be the worst enforcer ever, because really thinking aside with uh, Adam Cole and Roderick Strong, so, um... Yeah, but, yeah, Sabu's not the best be like enforcer in the world. But yeah, Sabu uh, beat the living hell out of Jericho appreciates the society of Roderick Strong and chased them into the back. Adam Cole and Chris Jericho would start tussling it out. Uh, and then Britt Baker with, uh, would start kindling the living hell out of Chris Jericho as revenge for a few weeks back. Like, here's the thing about this. The story is actually pretty damn good in my eyes from when I was re-watching the clips and whatnot when I was able to get a hold of the episode since I've come home late from work um, the hour mark of the show. Luckily, I will get to experience Dynamite on June 14th at the place where it all started. And I hope to get a Bullet Club Gold shirt. Anyways. So... Yeah, the story has been good, and I like the vindictive personal nature of Vendetta out of it. I just feel like the match was very tamed in terms of, of, of the uh, way it was being built up as. Like, it being an unsanctioned match made sense, but considering the feud still going on, maybe it would have been best to have this be the finale match and the tag team match they did on Dynamite the night the, day, the show after be the pay-per-view match. That's just my two cents. And even how they ended it, it's like, but this is unsanctioned match. The only way this match can end is if by pinfall or submission, not because Jericho's getting his, his black eye in. Yeah, Jericho got a severe black eye in that match. So, uh, yeah. But surprisingly, there was no blood involved. There was no. I want to say some memorable bump moment. I feel like that usually these kind of matches were usually justified having. Like, I like everyone talking about Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole's lights out match where Adam Cole just hugs, where Orange Cassidy just hugs Adam Cole and crashes him into the tables. I like, granted, that was a weird ending and probably Adam Cole could have, like, done, like, five different plans to get out of that. Uh, but, like, it, it's just that thing where you're like, this should have been more violent just to sell the story and the fact that they still continue this feud. Like, usually when a Lights Out or Unsanctioned match happens, it's usually the end of a storyline nowadays. It's not like Triple H and Shawn Michaels' match where they kept the violence afterwards. And this was Shawn Michaels' first match back. And, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm surprised they never brought up the fact that they could have used the whole Heartless agreement where the company could have been sued for the storyline like they would do with several but that's just my two cents. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, I don't know what's next for Adam Cole after his feud with Jericho. Like, they teased it a little bit on Dynamite a few weeks back, where Britt Baker confronts MJF and teases Adam Cole's gonna go after the world title. And I was like, I'm kind of mixed on that. Like, not because I don't want him to go after the title, it'd be awesome. I just feel like. I feel like we'd be rushing way too soon into that already. After Adam Cole had just gotten back, we just did a violent, we did a hardcore match essentially. And in fact, in fact, here's the thing: I like the Roderick Strong match better than the Adam Cole match with Jericho because at least they were going all out with it, no pun intended. And they actually were doing things that made it a lot more memorable than it could have been, like you know, going outside and being having Adam Cole the face being the smart guy here. Jericho being the honorable villain for some reason, and the shock that you were. Uh, it's just, I feel like they have, they should have done more with this stuff, like had Sabu done more, had Adam Cole do a little bit more in this match with Jericho. Honestly, I kind of wish Jer Chris Jericho brought back the Painmaker fully, like he did with Nick Gage, which, uh, was still a hardcore no rules match. In fact, in fact, they didn't really give the different. I, I here's the thing. One of the things that also bugged me is, I, as much as I like the battle royale that we got, I'll talk about that hopefully. This should have been the opening match, and then we did the battle royal just to, you know, even out everything with the unsanctioned system because nowadays unsanctioned matches either close the match or open the match. Close the show, open the show. Instead of just being halfway through. Uh, uh, unless, because that was how AEW was doing things at the time. I kind of wish we got more out of this. I feel like maybe it, maybe it was the time they were given. Maybe it was that. Maybe they just didn't have enough time to do the match the way they could have done. Uh, they couldn't really expect, they, they didn't try anything memorable. Like, at best, it's an okay unsanctioned match, but in terms of its violent meter, it's pretty tame compared to other violent matches in AEW. Maybe they were kind of handcuffed a little bit because, well, we already have the Anarchy in the Arena match. We have uh, all these other stuff, including Karen Jarrett going Al Capone, uh, Al Capone with, uh, with uh, RB Edwards later in the night, which was funny and hilarious. Um, yeah, but it could have been more. I, I feel like had they had planned this out a little bit better, it probably would have benefited more being a dynamite man event than a pay-per-view match. Mostly in my mind because the tag team match that followed, like the continued the saga, and it's like the show, the match ended pretty definitively without Cole exacting retribution in honor of his guilt. I don't think they're married, but uh, yeah. And as a, and Soraya would challenge Jericho, and Jericho would challenge Adam Cole and Britt Baker and approved by Tony Khan to do a tag team match on the Diamond After, which Adam Cole and Britt Baker won. And like I said, I, I like that match better than what we got on this because they're probably like. That should have been the pay-per-view match, and this match should have been the Dynamite Man event. It would have made a lot more sense. It would have done a lot better to sell the story and continue the feud. Heck, 
if you really wanted to go further than that, we could have done. I'm like, granted, I don't think serious doctors would have allowed this, but we could have done the lights out match with two with, with a mixed tag team match, and we could have some intergender fighting going on. Maybe, perhaps, I don't know. I don't think I think wasn't it said Tony Khan's not a fan? Like I could be wrong, but maybe I heard that once. But uh, yeah, the match for what we got was fine, but it could have been more, and it probably should not have been on should have been a dynamite main event match so just so they can get the violin out there and get the in impact that it could have gotten but um yeah this was your host Eric Brown of NRE the Wrestleverse talking about Adam Cole Bebe versus Chris Jericho at Double or Nothing Unsanctioned match feel free to like, comment, subscribe check out my content in the description below stay tuned to see more and I'll see you all again next time especially with the NRE Wrestleverse podcast peace